This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Opening day. I can remember not sleeping for days anticipating the opening day of the hunting season and laying there awake dreaming about hunting white-tailed deer and hunting all kinds of other critters that didn't exist where I lived. Over the years, that excitement has continued. And over the years, too, I've had the opportunity to spend a lot of time around some very dear friends who, too, kind of like to hunt a little bit. As it just worked out, I happened to be on the FTW Ranch where they teach the sportsman all-weather, all-terrain marksmanship to individuals. We have some other people that uh, from the military that occasionally spend time here doing a little bit of training, too. And it just so happens the guy I'm sitting here with, Tim Fallon, he and I have spent a little time in different hunting caps kind of across the, the country and across the world. And I remember some opening days for us on an airplane flying different places, trying to, to get to a destination to to really start some great adventures. But Jim, you kind of grew up hunting too. You, you grew up a little bit farther west from where I did, as I recall. And what was opening day to you? Oh, Larry. Wow. Uh, I was very fortunate. I was raised by uh, wonderful parents and dad was a big hunter. Um, so I started hunting, you know, following him on a quail trail or a deer trail at probably age four or five. I was able to shoot my first deer at nine. Oh, my gracious, you beat um, me. <laughs> yeah. So, but yes, and that was when California was normal and wonderful and all that, you know, back in the 60s. So, um, 
But you know, that feeling has never left me. You know, it's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, it is amazing. And whether it was quail season, dove season, deer season, whatever it was when I grew up, I couldn't, there's no way I could sleep the night before. I was so excited whether I was shooting or not, even as a, you know, four or five year old, get to trail along in the footsteps of someone you admire, whether it was my dad or one of his friends or whatever. I was the bird boy normally. And I was, I was the kid who was butt naked <laughs> had to go swimming after the ducks on the opening morning of duck season in the cold water because they didn't have a dog back then and I was the dog so it didn't really matter you're in the field and uh that feeling's never left me it's how many trips have we taken around the globe and and uh you and I are like two two complete retards getting ready absolutely I mean <laughs> on the plane almost to the point of being giddy yeah yeah two kids well, in a candy store giddy. yeah yeah um, you know, there's just, there's no feeling like it. It's just, I, I, I don't know how to describe it. You either have it in your DNA or you don't. But I've, I've seen a lot of them, thousands of people that didn't, but did it the first time, and then they had it in their DNA after that. You know, I think it's there, but I think sometimes people deny that a little bit, and then when they experience it the first time, they go, what in the world have I been doing? Why haven't I allowed myself to feel this way in the, in the past? Right, right. And there's... And as you well know, there's lots of reasons for it. One of it's the excitement of the hunt and, or the fishing trip. I get just as excited going Absolutely. on a fishing trip. But at the end of the day, it's all about the experience of getting out in God's wonderful outdoors. And, and it's just a, it, you can never experience something like that or the outdoors unless you're actually hunting or fishing in it, actually falling into, into the animal tracks and falling and sliding down mountains and just getting back to or with Mother Nature. And it's just... It's a it's an addiction. You're right. No looking at a screen will ever come no. close to anything no. like that. No, no matter. One of the things that that I think is so very important about this place is it is set up to teach people marksmanship among other things. Right. But you also do some hunting, and we've gone through some interesting times this year, particularly with this China flu thing that mm -hmm. came up. Regardless of our feelings about the authenticity of a lot of different things involved there. But um, one of the things that I've noticed in the last several weeks is an increase in the sale of hunting license and fishing license, yep. particularly in a lot of the northeastern states, which to me is, is very gratifying. And it, I really feel like it's, we're kind of going back the right direction on some things. Where I'm going with all this is is I've heard that you're going to have, and we've talked about this a little bit and some other things, but through the FTW Ranch, through the SAM courses, you're coming, you've come up with a new course that is pretty much designed at somebody who maybe would like to get into hunting. Mm -hmm. Expand on that a little bit. Well, we have, Larry. You know, we with what we do over the years, we see a lot of newer hunters, but generally speaking, our students are folks that have been on a hunt or and are going on a hunt or they've had problems on their previous hunts with their shooting and so forth so they want to come tune up and be a more responsible and be that hunter that makes a one shot one kill right sort which of is what we should what all, we all strive, strive for, for exactly yeah. but what's come about and maybe some of this is driven by this china flu mess that we're sitting in but there's a new need or a real scream in in, in the world for providing being able to be self-sustainable I want to provide meat for my own table, my own family. Um, and it kind of, I think it ties in a little bit to this new 
what is it, five and a half million new gun owners in America? Yes. Now, some of that is obviously because they're scared and the craziness going on in the big cities. But I think a lot of it is people, as you said, the increased license sales. People are ready to get out in the outdoors. They've had a, a reawakening that, you know, it's time to get back to Mother Nature here. And, I mean, hunting, as you well know, is conservation. So if a person was maybe not raised around hunting, but their grandpa hunted or their friend hunts, and, gee, I'm kind of curious about this. So we've provided a course, we're launching it in January, that a person with absolutely no hunting experience whatsoever, no shooting or hunting experience, can come in here and in five nights, four days, they're going to learn how to handle a gun, they're going to learn how to shoot it safely, they're going to learn how to hunt, they're going to learn how to process the meat. We're actually going to bring people in and teach them how to do this. They're going to learn how to cook that meat. And from soup to nuts, they're going to learn everything they want to know about hunting a white-tailed deer or any of the other species we have here on the ranch. Yeah, you're very blessed that you do have exotics here as well, too. Yes, and yes. and I, that, speaking of that, I want to just say very quickly, we did an interview not very long ago with uh, Greg Simons and yes. with Wildlife Systems, who you know as well, too. And, yep. and Greg was telling me that he is getting a lot of new hunters who are asking about what's the biggest animal I can shoot to put the most meat in the freezer for right. with. Right. And so I think this will be an ideal opportunity for those folks who, as you mentioned, maybe they weren't into hunting in the past. Maybe they're not too sure, but maybe now they're looking at Hey, I've, you know, I've got to provide for my family kind of thing. And right. So to me, this is such an ideal course. What are the, some of the specifics? And, I, and, and I'll be up front. I know that you and I have talked about this, that I'll be talking some about the biology and the ecology of not only right. the area, but some of the animals. So we'll cover a lot of things like looking for sign, uh, what they eat and how they act and all those kind of things. Right. But what are the, some of the, you mentioned some of them already, but specifically tell me a little bit about the, the learning on the, on the gun handling, because there's no better place on earth to do that than this place right here well we're going to take them through basically a standard sam course for the first day which is some classroom show them a way to clean a gun take them through the principles of marksmanship really get them comfortable shooting good groups out to say maybe 300 yards which is a, a quite a long shot in it is in the normal hunting world but you know you need to practice out at that distance if you're going to have to make a 200 yard shot on a, on a whitetail or any other animal so really get them comfortable with the gun. Um, the next morning on day two, in the morning of the day two, we're going to go hunting, but without a gun. We're actually going to track animals. We're going to spot and stalk. We're going to do overwatch positions and actually get people comfortable with, okay, this is actually who, how you do hunt an animal. And then um, that afternoon after that morning, we'll have brunch, and then we're going to go into more, more SAM training, if you will, get them comfortable in positional training, shooting off sticks. They've been shooting in the prone, so we're going to get them off the ground. And again, build confidence, build confidence, build confidence. And then that afternoon of day two, we're actually going to start hunting. They're going to have their gun, which we provide, that we'll provide. It's That's all what in, I was going to ask you. Is, it's did, all inclusive in the fee, the ammunition, the gun. Um, even on day four, we're going to let them shoot 25 rounds out of a shotgun on our five-stand cool. range so they you know, get familiar with, hey, this is how you bird hunt. How cool is this? So... Um, but yeah, they're actually going to start hunting in the afternoon of day, day two. Um, the female of whatever species is included in, in the course fee. And we're actually going to, we're going to bring in on day three, you'll be coming in and actually show them this is where the animals live, what time of day do they normally move around, you know, day or night. This is what they eat, the biology and the, and the ecology of, of wildlife, basically. That's going to be your job, LW. Well, thank and, you. <laughs> and, and you're very good at it, obviously. 
Um, and then we're going to bring in a professional meat processor. He's going to show them how to debone the meat, how to process the animal. Um, and then we're bringing in a, pro a professional chef who's actually going to show them how to cook wild game and do a lot of examples of it. So he'll cook like the meal of day, th the evening meal of day three. He'll cook brunch on day four and then the evening meal of day, day four and then show them different varieties and, you know, show them how to make sausage and how to, how to and he'll present a lot of meals including that and how to cook birds. And, and so now they're going to know, A, how to handle rifle safely, be effective with the rifle, how to go out hunting, how to hunt these animals. They're actually going to learn how these animals live, where they live, but I mean, you're going to, you're including, you're going to teach them how to call animals and so forth. And um, <laughs> yeah, so, we are in Tim's yeah, office, yeah, we're, we're and this is a busy place. So, yeah. um, so it'll be uh, completely inclusive. They'll understand everything, as I say, from A to Z, um, and and get them. And it's mainly, Larry. I think there's a huge, there's probably millions of people out there, in that they okay, they've graduated college, they're ready to go on into the world, and um, you know they're curious. They wanna, they're curious about hunting and they want to start. Let, let's go back to the to the gun side of thing a little bit. So they're going to be able to not have to bring, they don't have to own their own rifle, and there'll be ammunition available here. And one of the things too that I've, I've known about shooting rifles is fitting that stock and maybe the eye relief, which to somebody that has never picked up a gun in the past, and I'm sure there'll be some people who never really have done more than maybe just grabbed a hold of a gun, but that'll be something that they'll be getting into as well. Okay, we're gonna take a break right now, and we'll come back with in just a little bit. This is a perfect time to get a few words from the staff at Dallas Safari Club. Corey, one of the great things that we do as far as DSC is occasionally we get the opportunity to recognize some people who really have done a great job. We've got a new award this year, and it's called the Conservation Trailblazer Award. We do, and we're really excited about it, Larry. It, really looking across uh, the awards that we had to recognize people for achievements and contributions. The one that we were missing was the recognition of the wildlife professional and yes. recognizing their role in stewardship across people and resources and building collaborative efforts and all of that. And so this is the first year of this award and we're, we're super excited about the award and even more specifically this year's winner. About the person. That's exactly right. Can we tell people who it is? We can. Uh, or may we tell people that. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know whether it's can or what, or may. <laughs> We're super excited about it. You know, when we, when we look at what the award is about, and again, it's about the contribution of the individual towards a, a lifetime achievement or a particular project, and we look at that in the sense of working with uh, stakeholders, you know, if that's the general public, if it's looking at non-game, uh, uh, big game, if it's looking at academic, if it's looking at policy across all of these different arenas that affect wildlife management, both from a private land uh, standpoint, as from a state and federal landowner working with NGOs and working across different countries and just a broad gamut of stakeholders. Uh, all of those boxes really get checked by this year's winner. And this year's winner, I'm excited to say, is Mr. Clay Brewer. Oh, fantastic. Um, yeah, Clay is just a prince of a gentleman. and Yes, he is. I've had the privilege of working both for and with Clay uh, through my career and time with Texas Parks and Wildlife, and now obviously with DSC. I know Clay uh, worked a career with Texas Parks and Wildlife in a lot of different roles and really 
very responsible for building uh, the Desert Bighorn Sheep Program as to what it is um, and building this great consortium of landowners and gathering stakeholders in the Trans-Pecos and building something that's just been a Herculean task, obviously working and bringing out, you know, one of the great aspects of Clay is he has the ability to bring out the very best in people and bring them together. And so, yeah, a real talented guy. I've met, I didn't have the opportunity to work with Clay, but uh, I had the opportunity on various occasions to sit down and just visit with him. And more recent, I think the most recent one was probably about early, maybe early this year sometime. And uh, I, it, it was really interesting. I was involved in some of the sheep program many, many years ago. And uh, I saw where it started in his infancy and to where we are now, particularly with Desert Bighorn in Texas. We've got a really good population, and a lot of that comes from Clay's and, and his efforts, his individual efforts, but also his talents as far as being able to put the right team together and to get the right landowners together and to get the following that he has. He's just an amazing person. And, and I love the time I got to spend business with him because we talked about some old times, various people <laughs> we knew and how the projects went back then, yep. but then some of the things that he was working on at the time. And uh, what, a, what a fantastic individual. He's a great guy, you know, and, and to be able to, again, to, to work so humbly like he does and bring people together and pull out the best in everybody and, you know, we've seen him do that in Parks and Wildlife and the many different roles that he, he he's right. from the Trans-Pecos to a regional director to division director for the Wildlife Division for a period of time. And, and uh, now with his role with Wild Sheep Foundation, you know, where he's working and I've had the privilege of visiting with Clay through some of these things where he's building um, this, this large consortium of stakeholders together in Mexico and uh, bringing in and, and restoring sheep across broad landscapes in which they formerly occupied, you know, and working across the western U.S. and his work through you know, AFWA and the Western Association of Fish and Wildlife Agencies. And, again, it just really epitomizes collaborative work, selfless work, working for the resource, working with the resource in mind, not about credit, but with a long-term goal in mind. And, and Clay just epitomizes that. And we're just, we're just really thrilled with him being the first winner. I, I can't say anything, but congratulations to the people who chose him and also <laughs> because he is so well-deserving. And then, of course, to Clay himself as well, too. Absolutely. You know, it speaks to the, the, the needed recognition for the role of the wildlife manager. You know, if it's, if it's non-game or game or whatever it is, those that enjoy the outdoors really need to take a moment and stake their, and really compliment and, and, and thank their if it's the private landowner that has a private biologist they're working with or the state biologist or federal biologist or refuge manager, whatever it is, and to take a moment and be grateful for the skills and the time and dedication they put out there to make sure that those wildlife, and when I say wildlife, I mean from fish to birds and everything in between wildlife, uh, the dedication they have to invest in those species for future generations as well. And I can assure you, you didn't do it for the money. That's exactly right. <laughs> <laughs> Having spent time with the, with the state, and as I know you yep. have as well too, and as private bodies, all that kind of thing. We, we do what we do for the love of the land and the love of the wildlife and, and the love for trying to perpetuate. And, and again, Clay totally epitomizes all those things and more. Absolutely, yeah. He set the bar very high for yes, future winners, that's for sure. <laughs> so we're really excited about it. And again, congratulations to Clay. It is so well-deserved. Amen. We did take a short break there. We've this this is a hunting ranch, the FTW, and there's several clients out right now. And whitetail seasons are going on, and I'll have to tell you, there are three deer hanging in the in the cooler right now that were just take the breath away from almost any hunter. And we just got a call 
just now and we wanted to see what it was all about, there is a drop time buck down. So hopefully we'll get a little bit of that story a little bit later on. But I uh, want to continue for the time being. These The, the hunters are doing well here. This is an obviously a, a absolutely fantastic operation in so many different ways. And we were talking a little bit about the new hunter program and specifically in terms of with somebody coming in of being able to fit a rifle so that they have an understanding when they buy a rifle, this is the way the rifle is supposed to fit and this is kind of eye relief you're supposed to have. And so some of that's going to be included in, in the basics of all this, right? Oh, very much so. The first day, we're going to do a lot of, in fact, the night, the night they arrive, we're going to do a lot of fitting so that we have a huge loaner pool of guns, Larry, as you well know. And so we're going to let each person select the gun that fits them the best or the gun they've been most curious about shooting, the caliber, the make, the model, et cetera, and even the optics. So they get right. to choose their own optics, So, which is the foundation of any good hunter. I mean, if the gun doesn't fit, you're not going to shoot well. No. And if you're not shooting well, it's not going to go well. So we're going to, we're going to solve all that right up front. What, let's get into shot placement a little bit. Uh, I know that you've got Tim and Dave with Safari Classics have put together some absolutely fantastic video programs, I guess, for, for shows or whatever you want to call them. That will be included as well, too. I mean, you were going to talk about shot placement both in the classroom, but then also, I'm assuming, out in the field as well, too, because I know you've got a lot of life-size targets here. We do. Um, between the steel plates, you know, six, nine, 12 inch steel plates they'll be shooting. We do have a lot of life-size targets. We'll do, especially on day three, that's when we're gonna get into the positional training and field situational training. So you'll be shooting over logs, over rocks, you know, real field Real world you know, shooting real situations, right. Situations. But yeah, speaking of Tim and Dave, they've made uh, uh, several versions. Our latest one is quite phenomenal. It's a shot placement video. And it goes into the actual animal and then the you know, the anatomy of the animal. And this, what's this in, is, under the skin, yeah, right? Yeah, what's yeah. under the skin, and this is where you want to hit the vitals, the heart, lungs. Um, and it's a, and the students will obviously get to see that. They're also going to get to see a video. It's, it's called Being a Good Hunting Steward. We have another nickname for it. I won't do it on your, on your podcast <laughs> here. But um, it, it shows you what to do and what not to do on a hunt. And I don't care if you're borrowing a landowner's Perfect. land to shoot a deer or whether you're traveling to Africa or whether to Canada on a hunt. It's suggestions on how to make the experience better and reminders for hunters that this is not about the kill. It's about the experience and it's about making new friends, meeting new people, meeting new places, experiencing God's beautiful outdoors and remembering all that sort of thing. And we even go into social media about what to do, what not to do. Good, good. Know, don't make yourself an enemy to your loved ones and sort of thing. So it's really, it's completely all-encompassing. It really is. Are you going to do anything? I know these are going to be females that they're taking, but are you going to do anything about photography as far as a trophy pose so that it's a tasteful trophy pose for, that they can show to their family? It, I'm glad you brought that up. We are going to cover that. So when each of the students is able to, to harvest their, their, um, right. their, their game, we're going to show them how to take trophy pictures, how to set it up, the best angles, how to clean it up, number one. There's nothing worse than a, a, a good photo of, of a, a, a hunter who's killed his, his quarry, and then there's blood everywhere. That's and just, a tongue hanging out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, we don't need yeah. that, those kind we of We need photos. to honor the, the species. And exactly. 
it's that's why I like you and I've hunted Europe many times and yes. how they're so very careful to even they put uh, cedar the leaves or a, a, a yeah, the last tree bite. branch and, right. know, and into the animal. It's a ritual and it, and it needs to be. You need to respect and honor the the animal that just gave his life for you to have food. That's one of the things I think I've really enjoyed about being here when you have hunters mm-hmm. on the property is that is what takes place. There is there is that honor of the animal and they're properly taking photographs and somebody that even may not be a hunter can look at and not go, ooh, you know, my gracious. So yeah. to me, that too is, is, is kind of part of that hunt. And, what about after hours? I mean, <laughs> this is a great place to listen to and tell stories. And to me, that too is a part of, of the hunt. So I suspect whether it's built into the program or not, that's going to happen as well. Well, as you know, we build that into every program. Right. <laughs> but Larry, it never ceases to amaze me how you can have two classes. You know, we, we do everything in maximum two classes, right. six students per class, and every every class has its own instructor team of two people. And you can take, in many cases, 12 total strangers when they got here. After five nights, four days, they're booking another course here together. Together. Because they've made... You know, and look, I, I think it's a bonding thing. Everybody is struggling with the same issue when you get here. I don't care if your experience level or not. You've got some of the same challenges, and you're going through this learning curve together. You're helping each other out. It's it's uh, it's kind of like what you experience in boot camp in the military. You might have come in as total strangers, but you're leaving there as the best of friends because you've you've gone through this bonding experience together. And we do keep it, you know, responsible, but we do have fun in the evening and telling stories and people get to vent a little bit and admit that I can't believe I didn't I didn't know that or geez I can't believe I did that today and hey that's all part of it I've seen me make every mistake that we see here trust me I have too and I, I no longer live close to the ranch like I did at one time but I used to come up here an awful lot and one of the things that always amazed me is I've been shooting all my life literally I've hunted all my life and every time I came to the FTW I learned something Sometimes it's something brand new. Sometimes I learned something about myself that I didn't quite really think was there kind of thing. But And I think part of that came from the actual shooting, from the listening, from the instruction. But a lot of times, too, just sitting around and talking with people. Yeah, that's very true. You know, we tell people every class we learn something. And, you know, after all these years of doing this, people look at you like, yeah. Right. Yeah, sure, but no. no we truly you do. do. You we do. learn something from every class. You do. And it's generally, you get a, you know, a mix of, of different human beings with different needs and wants and struggles and life experiences. You put all that together and, and you just, we do. We learn something from every single class. Uh, kind of on the, what, what target age ages are you looking at? Are you looking at, at, at any particular age class? Or are you looking at a broad spectrum, everything from youngsters to great-granddads, well, great-grandmas? I, Larry, I've gotten my crystal ball out, and here's what I think. Good, good. That's what I wanted to hear. <laughs> You've heard a lot of baloney out of me, but that's one of them. No, look, I think this is going to be two different age groups. I think it's going to be a parent that's going to say, hey, this is a great thing for my child to go through. From you know A to Z again to learn to respect the animal, learn the environment, learn what the animals do, how they live, and then how to cook the meat, etc. So I think that's one class uh, or group, if right. you will. That's the parent that's going to bring their child. I think the other group, which may be even larger than than the first group I just described, is 
those folks that have, okay, they've graduated college, they've gone on to their careers, they're in a position where they're starting family indoor, have started one, and their grandpa used to hunt, and they've always been curious about it, and they're, you know what, I'm going to go try this, because I've always been curious about providing my own clean meat source. And I kind of want to get into this hunting thing. I like the outdoors, I like Mother Nature, maybe a husband and wife together. Might be a young person unmarried yet that's curious about it. And I think that's the two groups of people we're going to get. We may get, you know, even some older folks that that have always wanted to try it, never had the time, and now have the money to try something like this. So it'll be, I think it's going to be a wide spectrum. I I think it will be, too. As you were saying that, I ran into an elderly lady, and to me, I shouldn't say that elderly, but she was probably in her 50s. Like like our age? Well, no, she was younger than I was. (laughs) Or she is younger. Yeah, what's that make you me? But I ran into her, and and she, I was kind of dressed kind of like a hunter, not in camo, but, you know, like I normally would dress. and, And... but she, she knew it was hunting season going on, and she told me, she said, she says, do you hunt? You know, and, and when somebody asks you a question like that, you sometimes kind of take almost a defensive kind of thing, like, oh, my God, this is going to be an anti-hunter. But, and I've learned how to deal with those kind of things. But her question was, just as what she mentioned, she said, I, I grew up, my dad would not take us girls hunting when we were small. Yep. And it was it was a very macho thing, she said. But I think I've kind of come past that as far as my age is concerned. And I'm really interested in in learning something about hunting. So to me, I, what I suggested, you know, there are some states that have mentor programs, and I said that's one of the things that you might look into. Or, but in that was before we started talking about these classes. To me, this is an ideal situation for somebody even like that. That absolutely perfect. Absolutely perfect. You know, even before we started this program over the years. Well, you've had a lot of shooters uh, come in that are that, like that. uh, Male, female, obviously, both categories. that Or, you know, look, our our typical client is someone who's not sure how to hunt. Let's say they've booked an African hunt or they've booked a sheep hunt. Um, uh, And there's no such thing as an inexpensive hunt anymore. So they've got quite an investment. Uh, SAM courses, just look at it as an insurance policy, basically. You need to be on your A game when you get there. That's what it is. And so, and those types of people that think in that way are very responsible. I'm very proud of them for thinking that way. Honestly, women think that way more than men. You know, Honestly, oh, you're right. I got caught by my grandfather. I don't need any help. Yeah, really. Okay. Yeah, they, then, <laughs> We'll talk to that person one year, and then, and then next year at the show or something, or he'll call us up and say, okay, I'm ready, ready, ready right. to check and come to a course because I just had a bad experience. But, no, we get a lot of first-timers. I mean, some of the best shooters we see are people, especially ladies, that have never shot a gun before in their life. And they get here, and they don't have the, what we call the John Wayne complex. They don't know anything, and they admit it. They're an open book, and they listen. So um, people shouldn't feel uncomfortable. I don't know enough about shooting. Uh, the less you know, actually, the better. Actually, the better. And yeah. one of the things that I've really always enjoyed and truly appreciated, and I've, I've watched your instructors that you have here, mm. these guys know what they're doing, but they're people, people. Yep. They know they, they're extremely well, they're extremely good about being able to read somebody yes. and knowing that you how to treat that person. Maybe some people you got to get down on them a little bit harder. Some people you got to do this. And that's one of the things that's really amazed me, not only in terms of adults, but also I've been here when there have been a lot of children coming here and they're, they're learning how to shoot. Yeah. And they're so very patient. And, and 
that it becomes such an absolutely fun experience for those children. And I think for anybody else that comes. But I think one of the things I like about you is that we ain't going to do this if it's not going to be fun. Yeah, that's very true, Larry. I'll tell you, that's one of our biggest mantras, probably the biggest it, one. Yes, sir. We are going to keep this fun because if you're not having fun with doing what we do, you're screwing it up. Yes. I mean, bottom line, you're messing it up. And it's not about us. You're not going to hear my hunting stories. And no. as you know, I've done a bit of it. And the, instructor, <laughs> the instructors yes, have too. And, you know, in, in their military days, they were hunting other things. Right. But, um, you know, this isn't about us. It's going to be all about you and making you comfortable, making you feel confident. That's the biggest thing and understanding how the system works. And hunting is not something, or gun, neither are guns, that you have to feel intimidated about. To me, you have you just simply have to learn a little bit about. Yep. No, that's you're absolutely right. A lot of people, you know, pick up a gun and you can see them visibly yeah, start can, shaking. Right. And it's you know, a gun is nothing but a tool. It's nothing different than a hammer or anything else. Um, and we're going to get them completely comfortable with that. The optics are going to understand how to adjust it, make the, the adjustments needed for any situation, and um, and then. To, you know, here's the good news. We don't ever teach anything we don't practice here. So we're not going to throw a bunch of crap at you and expect you to, you know, remember it. That does not work. We're going to teach you the basics, practice those practices, and then take it to the next level, practice, 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 the next level, and practice, practice, practice. So you're going to come away completely confident and understand what to do, when to do it, and how to do it. This is, I'm, you know, I look forward to the hunting season and opening day tremendously, but I'll tell you something, this is something I am really looking forward to, to be involved in. What, what size classes are you talking about? We're talking about two of these schools, one in January and one in February. To initially, we've started, we've, we've scheduled two of them. Um, it, it'll be our standard SAM program with the, the guest speakers being brought in yourself and the game warden and the chef and the, and the, and the butcher. Um, to show everybody, again, A to Z, how to process the animal, how to cook it, and how to prepare it, et cetera. Um, but it'll be two classes max, six students in each class with each instructor team, two instructor teams. Um, and, you know, we can do larger than that, but then I think you lose a bit of the personality. You so do. We, we so we're talking 12 about students. 12 students 12 per students class. class. I mean, per schedule. Yeah. Per that time yeah. frame, it'll be six and six max. Right. Yeah, that I think with that, that's, it's a large enough group to where you're having an impact, right. but it's a small enough group where you still got that intimate type feeling. And like you said, I've, I've, I've seen several people come here that were almost totally opposites in terms of personalities and all those kind of things. And by the time they leave here, as you said, they're, they're booking hunts together. They're booking coming back here together. And I cannot see but that same thing happening with this particular class or these classes. Uh, anything that that you could uh, is do they do they need do any kind of preparation? I mean, this is a full service property, so it's not like you got to bring a sleeping bag. And, and of course, we don't want them to bring any food because of the fact that we're going to do a lot of preparation here. And the food on the FDW is is fantastic. But is there anything that you can you would suggest to somebody that I want to sign up for this? Is there any preparation they need to do? Not really. Um, certainly, they don't need to bring anything because they'll, they'll want for nothing when they get here. Right. Exactly. So the lodging provided, all the food and so forth, they just bring their personal clothes. Um, January, February can get a little nippy, so they're going to need to bring layers, and we'll tell them all that up front, right. cover all that. Um, but Larry, no, there's, there's, if they want to read some hunting articles and some magazines, maybe get a feel for it. 
Um, but again, kind of the, the less they know, the better. We're going to teach them from the ground up. I'd rather have a clean slate than somebody that comes in with a lot of preconceived ideas. And if they do, that's fine. We'll, we'll get through those. Right. Um, you know, we've had people come in over the years, thousands of people that they, this is absolutely the way you do it. Well, pretty soon they find out, yeah. oops, there's lots of, lots yeah, of, that lots was of ways to a do way. it. This is, yeah, that's why we teach here is a way. Everything yes. you hear is a way. I love we'll show you lots of a ways to do things, and it's yours to pick which one right. works, which best, works for best for you. Yeah. Sure. Absolutely. Mm. So uh, basically, it's open as of right now to sign up for. Yes. We're just now launching it. In fact, we're finishing the uh, the one page, well, two page flyer today. Matter of fact, and then it'll get blasted out email, and and several organizations are going to support this because they just think it's so fantastic to get new hunters into the industry, and uh, which is so important for our industry. And you know, people, some people get it; they understand that hunting is conservation. You know, if you don't hunt these animals, they're gone. They just and people the antis and so forth don't understand how the whole system works but the best example and, and you know there's thousands of cases of this you know in the year 1900 there were, we were down to 750,000 white-tailed deer in this country today there's over 31 million yes uh, that didn't happen by accident no. it happened because no. of hunters and it happened because of the Pittman Robertson Act due to taxes and all these funds go to the local state game agencies um, and you know when when you, when you hunt something, there's a value to it. The world preserves it. When you don't, just take a look at Kenya and the elephants. When they outlawed elephant hunting in 1973, there were 115,000 elephants. Today, there's less than 15,000, and they're being guarded by the army. I don't think hunting was the problem. And as I recall, somewhere like was it 90 to 92 percent of the total elephant population in Africa is in those countries that hunt. That is correct. The the countries that hunt elephants. That's where 92% of African elephants live is in those countries that hunt elephants. Wonder why. <laughs> Isn't that an amazing story? That is absolutely, truly so, amazing. I mean, if, if, you live in a, if you live in a country in Africa that doesn't hunt and you're a farmer, the last thing you want is an elephant. Absolutely. Something that eats 200 pounds of green stuff a day. Why would you want that around your farm? You don't. No. But if, if there's hunting revenue from it, then obviously there's a value to it. You want to preserve that animal. That's exactly how the system works. Absolutely. Interestingly, I, I did a, uh, just completed a podcast with a young man. His name is Fraser Jones, who is a uh, fanatic in terms of monarch butterflies. Okay. And I did an interview with him, and he is he's not a hunter, but he grew up in a, in a family that did some hunting. And what he wanted to talk to me about is, how hunting plays into the importance of monarch butterflies in terms of really? preserving, ha not preserving, but managing habitat so that you have habitat. He realized that in those properties where, as we just mentioned, in this instance where they were managing for elk, where they were managing for mule deer, for pronghorn, for whitetail, for game birds, that guess what? There's a lots of different types of plants out there for monarch butterflies. And where those habitats are properly managed, there's more there than any place else. So he is actually following the monarch butterfly down from Canada down into Mexico right now. But, uh, but again, that relates to almost what you said right there. there. Because there's an economic value on those game animals, mm -hmm. that habitat is managed. And preserved. And preserved. Exactly. And, and managed properly. And yeah. that benefit 
actually the monarch butterfly probably a whole lot more than it does those other species. And I think that's that's one of the things that we'll be able to visit with here. One of the things that I'm going to try to cover a little bit when we look at some of the vegetation and, and things involved. And uh, of course, there'll be time for questions, as we mentioned too, in the evening on a lot of these different things. Sure. Tell me the best way, and then I've got to, I want to switch horses on you, but uh, tell me the best way for somebody to book this. Now, I'm going to try to put out some information, probably, no, I will put out information before this actually airs, but uh, what's the best way to contact the FTW Ranch to say, hey, I want to sign up, or maybe I want to get some more information and look at sure. it, sure. or to sign up for these classes? There's two really good ways, Larry. One is just go to our website, and then our phone numbers and everything is, is on that. And you can even email us from our website, and that's at FTWSAAM. So it's Foxtrot Tango Whiskey, Sierra Alpha Alpha Mike. Or simply call us, which is 830-234-4366. And I'll try to get that information, too, when we do the podcast to where here. This is where you, you get in touch with these uh, the horse I want to switch to you is you and I both serve on the DSC Foundation Board. Yes, sir. And you've made the statement in the past that our job is to make money so we can give away money so we can give away, make more money and give away more money kind of thing. Or I'm paraphrasing you a little bit differently. How can somebody that uh, maybe hears this podcast, what are, what are ways that they can contribute to where, because we vet every project that money goes to. I yep. mean, there's a, and there's, we've got some really good projects and we've got a lot of requests, but what if somebody, I know we've just come out with some new programs to where with uh, long-term giving and those kind of things. Right. But what, how can somebody contribute? Because this organization, DSC, is a fabulous organization. And with DSC Foundation being there, how can somebody help to with, with some of the things that are going on in Africa or things that are going on here right now, or even maybe some of the, I know we've got chapters, and I'll cover that some other time. But what, what can people do to, to help the DSC Foundation to do a, a better job in Preserving wildlife. Preserving wildlife and conserving wildlife, right. At the end of the day, that's what it's all about. That's the bottom line, yes, sir. It's conservation through hunting. Um, Larry, my suggestion would be to go to our website, dscf.org, or Dallas Safari Club Foundation. If you'll just Google that in, um, it'll get you to our website. And you can see the wonderful programs. And Larry, you're right. It is millions of dollars that we put back into education, advocacy, and conservation through a huge variety of programs, whether it be study on lions and leopards in Africa, whether it be a study on on the desert bighorn sheep through the Wild Sheep Foundation, we support youth education, et cetera, et cetera. Um, go to that website, check it out, and if something you know trips your trigger, hey, call us, write us a check. If you want to direct it, your your two hundred dollar donation to this one particular program, just put that on the check or in a note. And 100% of those funds go directly to that cause. And you get a thank you letter back and a you know tax receipt because we're a 501c3. Yes. All your deductions are tax deductible or, you know, there are some exceptions, but very few. Right. So it's, it's a great way to, to pay it forward, if you will, in conserving wildlife. Now, this is actually, I think it was coming out probably the first week in November. We've got the convention coming up as well, too. Yep. Uh, and that'll be February 11th through the 14th, 14th yep. at the K. Bailey Hutchinson Center. Everything is setting on go. DSCF will have a booth 
at the front door. Yep, in the lobby. Yep. <laughs> in the lobby. Yep. Uh, what all are we going to be doing there that you anticipate now? I know that's going to change as, as we get a little bit closer to it, but what, what will we be doing there? And you and I are both the directors, and we've got, as far as I'm concerned, probably the most qualified, the best board that could ever be involved in an organization such as this. And I know all of us are going to be there from time to time. We've got other things we need to do. But what opportunity is going to be there? Because I know there's some of the uh, long-term giving mm -hmm. possibilities there mm -hmm. if somebody wants to visit about it. Yeah, Larry, we just launched off two really neat programs. One called the Hunter's Care Program, where you can actually buy you know, a, a one-time life insurance policy. And yeah, I mean, it's that's talk about long-term giving. I hope right. a 25-year-old writes us a check for a single premium life insurance, and that thing just builds value for the next hundred years. Exactly. But um, that's one of the programs. You can also donate directly to the Hunter's Care and a specific program under that. That that might be a hot button for you. Um, then we we've launched the other programs called the Ascari Circle, and that's. For philanthropic type giving, um, more cash donations, if you will, um, and there's certain levels you can get into that, and then you get into the Scary Lounge, and then we're going to have the, the foundation is for 2021 is going to start having our mid-year gala. We're going to have our own little show, if you will. It's not a it's not a trade show as as like the Dallas right, Safari right. Club big event is, but it's a it's a we'll have some auction items. It's an evening dinner and a get together. And it's just going to be a wonderful program, and you know, in the middle of the year to kind of break things up a little bit. Um, and yeah, they they can come to the booth and find out many different ways they can support the foundation, which just does an amazing job. And you are right, Larry. I've I've been in, on many boards in my lifetime, but this one is absolutely crammed full of super qualified people, because it is our job as the foundation board to help people understand what's the right cause to donate to. There's lots of good ones out there. Yes. There's, there's some that are a little on the borderline of, of, well, gee, I'd like to study leopards. Well, okay, that's a great cause, but, but why are you studying yes. leopards? And so, um, or whether it's the sheep, you know, programs in North America or the grizzly bear in British Columbia, you know, how many grizzly bears are there? Well, that's, that's a great study, but what's the purpose of this study? And so our board actually vets those through the amount of research and work that goes into these is unbelievable. So that we make sure that money's going to the biggest impact possible to conserve wildlife. That's the bottom line. That is the bottom line. Now, work is being done by monies created, not created, but given by the foundation worldwide. What, how does it break out as far as what goes to North America and what goes to the, to the rest of the world? Well, Larry, since some really smart, bold people at Dallas, the Dallas Safari Club started the foundation in 2016, um, and granting millions of dollars around the world. For, to date, I believe it's 57% of that money has gone to North American projects. Uh, about 40% of it has gone to uh, Africa or the regions, and 7% has gone around elsewhere around the world, New Zealand, Australia, Pakistan, Tajikistan, etc. cetera. Um, so it's... it's we are called the Dallas Safari Club, and yes, that is that is one of the ways we're not the Rocky Mountain Elk Foundation. No. That is one of the ways we raise money is international hunting. But look, we take good care of North America because that's kind of our roots, if you will. 
again, if anybody wants to get involved, uh, of course, please get involved with DSC. They've got all kinds of levels of membership, including the new uh, base camp. And to do that, they can go to BIGGAME.org. But they can also go there to that website and find us as far as the DSC Foundation is concerned. So. I uh, just want to take this opportunity to invite everybody to come out to the convention this year. Come by and see us. Tim, I know, will be probably in the, the Sam booth a little bit, but he'll also will be over at the, uh, the uh, foundation booth somewhat as well, too. So please come by and visit with us. And, Tim, thank you so much. I'm really looking forward to the schools. One more time, your phone number and website to where somebody can call to sign up for the, uh, the New Hunter courses. Yeah, just type in F-T-W-S-A-A-M, which is Foxtrot Tango Whiskey, Sierra Alpha Alpha Mike dot com, or call us. Just go ahead and call us. We have a wonderful staff here in the office and very friendly. You won't be intimidated, I promise. And that's 830-234-4366. Tim, thank you much. Opening day is here. Let's go hunting. <laughs> Let's go hunting. <laughs> DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today. Wildlife Systems, serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun. 